Mark Zuckerberg told The New Yorker the news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. So listen to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, the podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every day. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you get a rundown of what happened in the world of tech with all the headlines, context, commentaries, and tweets from all the biggest players. New episodes every day at 5 p.m. Eastern. Search your favorite podcast app for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Zenni offers thousands of affordable eyewear styles, starting at just $6.95. No ridiculous markups, no hassles, just quality, affordable eyewear delivered right to you. Visit Zenni today at zenni.com slash CNN. And good evening. That was Republican Lisa Murkowski on the Senate floor giving her explanation of why she has reached the decision she has on Judge Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court confirmation. She spoke at length about the divisiveness of the process. She spoke about what survivors of sexual abuse go through. She talked about court precedent, cases important to her own constituents in the country. She talked about healing. In case you missed it, here's the moment why she voted no today. So it is high. And even, even in the face of the worst thing that could happen, a sexual assault allegation, even in the face of an overly and overtly, overtly political process, a politicized process, and even when one side of this chamber is absolutely dead set on defeating his nomination from the very get-go, before he was even named. Even, even in these situations, the standard is that a judge must act at all times in a manner that promotes public confidence in the independence, integrity, and partiality of the judiciary and shall avoid impropriety and the appearance of impropriety. And after, after the, the, the hearing that we all watched last week, last Thursday, it, it became clear to me or was becoming clearer that that appearance of, of impropriety has become unavoidable. And I've been deliberating, agonizing about what is fair. Is this too unfair a burden to, to place on somebody that is dealing with the worst the most horrific allegations that go to your integrity, that go to everything that you are. And I think we all struggle with how we would respond. But I am reminded there are only there are only nine seats on the bench of the highest court in the land. That's uh, uh, Republican Lisa Murkowski. Joining us now is CNN political analyst Kirsten Powers, CNN political commentator and National Review editor Rich Lowry, and CNN global affairs analyst Max Boot, author of the soon-to-be-out new book, The Corrosion of Conservatism, Why I Left the Right. Kirsten, I mean, it's interesting to hear how Senator Murkowski uh, got to know. 
Right. Well, the thing that she seemed to focus on the most was the judicial temperament issue and that this is a very rarefied position in our society. Very few people ever get on the Supreme Court, even the most qualified, most brilliant, uh, most wonderfully temper, you know, people with the most wonderful temperaments in the world typically don't get on the Supreme Court. So there's a very, very high bar. And that's the high bar that she was holding him to and that she says, even if she understands that uh, he would be very upset and this is an attack uh, that he felt was on his integrity and an unfair attack on his integrity that in the end you can't behave in that manner and be on the Supreme Court. Max, I mean, I'm wondering what you, what you make uh, of that argument because that's certainly something that Judge Kavanaugh tried to um, reframe in the op-ed that he wrote to the Wall Street Journal last night. That's true. I mean, he, he realized, I think, that he made a serious uh, mistake in his tone in the confirmation hearing, which was very partisan, very aggressive, not very judicious, and he tried to walk it back a little bit. But, you know, when a judge is saying, I am not a partisan, that's kind of like a president saying, I am not a crook. The fact that he's saying it kind of defeats the message that he's trying to convey. And I thought that what Senator Murkowski said was very thoughtful and made a lot of sense to me. That's basically where I am, because I was somebody like her who was prepared to support his, his, his confirmation because I thought he was superbly qualified. But then seeing the way he acted, and I understand that he got angry because he felt that he was unjustifiably accused. But nevertheless, his over-the-top partisanship, and which cast into doubt his impartiality as a judge, I think really made me realize, wait, this is not somebody we should have in the Supreme Court. And that's what Senator Murkowski, I think, was trying to get across. But at the same time, I think you know, I have, to, I have to admit, it was a close call because he was well qualified. The charges against him were not proven beyond a reasonable doubt. And I think Senator Murkowski was also right to defend Senator Collins, who I think in good faith reached a different judgment. And there's a lot of partisan anger on both sides. And so I loved, you know, Senator Murkowski's tone, which was very calm, very civil, very rational. And, and this is clearly something she agonized over. And that's the right way to behave. And unfortunately, not enough senators behave that way. Rich, were you surprised that Senator Collins ended up voting yes? No. And I, I thought it was really a tremendous performance by her this afternoon. I mean, there's been so much emotion in this process I and mean, people running around, personally confronting senators and yelling at them and seeming to believe just the sheer expression of emotion should be enough to move someone to your position. And with Lisa Murkowski tonight and Susan Collins as well this afternoon, these were carefully uh, thought out statements meant to persuade and explain their positions. And that's the, the appropriate way to go. And I thought Collins was especially strong. And what the core allegation here is against, against Brett Kavanaugh, it's not that he got angry in a hearing when he was being accused of all sorts of crimes, is that he was guilty of a sexual assault. And she very persuasively explained how there is no independent corroboration of that. And in fact, to the extent there is evidence, the evidence cuts the wrong way. And she said, even outside of a legal setting, very important norm in this country of fairness and a presumption of innocence. And when you have that, you, you should vote to confirm him. And I don't think Murkowski makes really any sense to say he's, he's a good man, but I'm going to vote against him. And the process has been too rancorous, but then she's rewarding uh, the rancor. So I, I'm with Collins in this, this one. I was proud of her this afternoon and very, very glad that Brett Kavanaugh will all likelihood be on the Supreme Court. Kirsten, I mean, is this now just the new normal? I mean, is this, you think, going to be the way it is m moving forward? Well, I don't, you know, I, it's interesting. I don't even know what that means unless we, 
you know, unless another person comes up for the Supreme Court where there's a, a woman, and, or I think there are two very credible allegations against him who come forward, I mean, I, I think we've had quite a few men get onto the Supreme Court without this happening to them. So I don't know why this would be the new normal. Uh, I also, I take real issue with a lot of things Susan Collins said. I don't think that she laid out any kind of persuasive case that none of this happened. In fact, she brought up the fact that uh, Christine Blasey Ford can't remember who drove her home. And any trauma expert will tell you there's nothing remarkable about that, that usually you have tunnel vision. You remember the traumatic event that happened to you, but you often don't remember where you were or who drove you home. So uh, this didn't strike me as a super thoughtful exposition on what had happened. And then also to talk about how this was a circus, if we look at the actual hearing and the actual questions that happened, there was nothing about it that was a circus-like atmosphere. The, the, the questions were difficult. It was hard. Judge Kavanaugh got very angry. But there's nothing about it that's a circus. When people say circus, they're talking about protesters. So they're basically saying, uh, you know, protesting, coming and expressing your dissatisfaction with the way the process is being handled is a circus-like atmosphere, and we don't want that. And I don't think that's a good message to be sending to people. Well, look, people was, chasing pe- senators in the hallway is a circus-like atmosphere. And you had senators. I'm sorry, why in, should in senators not be confronted don't, in the hallway? Don't, don't, me, don't can, I'll just I'll express my opinion, and then you can express yours. Um, personally confronting people and chasing them is circus-like. <laughs> Having a senator ask what boof means in a Supreme Court hearing is absurd. And what Collins pointed out is that not only does she not remember how she got home, no one has come forward to say she drove her home. And really the only solid thing to go on on this allegation is the two witnesses that she named, one of whom is a good friend of hers. And both of those witnesses said they have no memory of this event. And in fact, the friend of hers says that she does not even know Brett Kavanaugh. So and that she believes her. Country, and that she believes her. And that she can't can't confirm her account. Okay. I mean, the talking points are just so old. It's like you just this is what you guys keep doing. You keep saying that, and then you leave out the part that she says that she actually believes her. And and you know, and I I wrote a column about something that happened to me when I was 15 years old. I don't remember who drove me home. I don't remember where I was. Was I lying, Rich? No, no look, just answer my so, question. No, no, wait, was wait. I lying? No, I, I believe why, you. Why was I know I not you lying? very well. If I'm not lying, then why is someone, Christine Blasey Ford okay, lying? Just, you, do you want me to reply? What yeah, we what, have, what's the difference? What, what, what we have with Christine Blasey Ford is a 36-year-old memory with no independent confirmation. And if you actually you are interested in the topic of memory, I urge you to Google Elizabeth Loftus. I already know who, all And about others who, who've done a lot of research in this area. And when you're interrogating your memory over time, your memory doesn't get better. It gets less reliable. So that's why contemporaneous notes, rich, rich. any sort of evidence would tell on her side. But in fact, that to the extent we can look at anything independent, it goes the other way. Rich, rich. I mean, come on, let's, let's be real here, because even the Republicans admitted that Dr. Ford was a very credible witness. And then they said sort of incredibly that even though she remembers what she remembers, it may not have been Brett Kavanaugh, even though she said she was 100 percent certain. I, I found her to be a credible witness. And frankly, I found her to be a more credible witness than Brett Kavanaugh, who I thought was fairly deceptive and evasive in his answers, did not give straightforward answers. But that said, I agree with you to the extent that her allegations are certainly not proven. I think they're credible. They're not proven. And why it's not the re- they're not proven. And, and there's, the reason, there's no let me evidence finish, to support them. The evidence goes finish. the other way. The reason why I ultimately could not support Brett Kavanaugh, even though I do think he is well qualified uh, by professional experience and intellectually for the Supreme Court, 
is because his over-the-top rancorous uh, partisanship, which I think will further degrade the Supreme Court and cause it to fall into even, even further uh, partisan gridlock and, and, and disrepute. I mean, how on earth can Brett Kavanaugh possibly go on the court and be fair in his rulings in cases that involve one, liberal causes on one side or the other after he is thrown in his lot with the hard right, the Trumpian right in this in this confirmation I, hearing. I, he, was, he was seriously accused of being a party to sexual you know, I, I get the fact that he can, be, I can, he can be angry, but he went over Max, the top, can, Rich. Can you, he went over the top. Me. He admitted that, that Max, he went over the top in his Wall Street Journal Max, op-ed. Qu- quickly respond, so then we have to go. The reason why he was so angry and passionate is he was legitimately accused, and people took this seriously. When people pushed back against the gang rep allegation, they were accused of victim blaming. That was taken seriously. And this is a guy who's... who's really, that uh, was has, the focus of the hearing, Rich? No. It was but, gang So do you believe, no, do you believe Julie Swetnick? All you keep talking about is the gang Do you gang believe Julie Swetnick? Rather, rather than talking about what the actual hearing was about, Christine Blasey Ford, all you want to talk about is gang rape. It was, it was taken seriously. What, that is not, but that is not Kirsten, what the hearing was about. And you Schumer, keep latching okay. on Judiciary to Committee Democrats. Rather than talking about what actually happened, which was Christine Blasey Ford testifying... Do you believe Julie Swetnick? Really quickly. Um, I don't know. I, 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 believe, I believe Christine Blasey Ford, and I find so her much, you, much more think, credible. You think Julie Swetnick is credible? I don't, I don't know enough about it. I think there were some questions raised you, about you it. You watched that NBC interview, and you think she's right, credible? Right, that's what I'm or saying. might be credible? Is that what I just said? So she's not credible. Well, why are, are you just, I so just you answered you. So, so why, you shouldn't no, have taken it just, seriously? No I just should, actually the idea said that a teenage boy. Let's not boy, interrupting me. Kirsten responding, then let's go. I just said that I had questions about it. I mean, why are you twisting it into saying that I said because that she, people that she took was it credible? seriously when it was right. farcical on the face of it? I yeah. never said a word about it. Let's so. end it here. Um, I appreciate the discussion, Kirsten. Thank you, Rich Lowry, Max Boot as well. Coming up next, the more on where the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh could take the country politically, and when it comes to some of the most bitterly contested laws of the land, all the angles still ahead on that. And later, what the attorneys for Christian Blasey Ford tell us their client has to say tonight about the latest developments, including whether Justice Kavanaugh should be impeached, the answer might surprise you ahead. You, you swear that- Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Our friends at Zenni Optical offer a huge variety of high-quality, stylish frames and state-of-the-art optics starting at just $6.95. You can get multiple frames with this great pricing for less than one pair elsewhere. Start building your eyewear wardrobe from the comfort of your own home at Zenni.com. With the latest trends in eyewear, available in hundreds of frame styles and materials, there isn't a better way to change it up for every season. Plus, Zenni offers prescription sunglasses at incredible prices. Visit Zenni today at zenni.com slash CNN. That's Z-E-N-N-I dot com slash CNN. So the final vote is set for tomorrow. If all goes as expected, Brett Kavanaugh will be confirmed to the Supreme Court. Now, as you've seen from Senator Lisa Murkowski's remarks tonight on the Senate floor, getting to this point has neither been simple nor easy, and the after effects may be unfolding in the polls in just a few weeks and perhaps even for years to come. In a moment, more on the legal ramifications. But first, how we got here and what happens tomorrow. Phil Mattingly has that. Joins us now from the Capitol. So what are the next steps? Where do things go from here? Yeah, so at least on the technical side of things, right now the Senate's in the middle of 30 hours of debate. They will have the final vote, and it's obviously very clear that they have the the votes. The broader question, though, of where the Senate goes from here, where the institutions go from here, where the Supreme Court goes from here, where this conversation goes from here, is an open question. Anderson, just a short while ago, I was asking this very question to a senior GOP aide who said, quote, 
it's only going to get worse. And I think that's the feeling right now, is that this wasn't rock bottom, like what you heard from Senator Susan Collins say she hoped it was. This wasn't a moment where, as you heard from Senator Lisa Murkowski, perhaps members take a step back and say, perhaps there's a better way to go from here. This will likely only escalate in the weeks and months ahead. Obviously, we're in the middle of a midterm uh, year right now. We're just a month away from the election. So expect the fights to continue. Expect nobody to cool off. In fact, expect things to heat up is basically my understanding at this point, Anderson. And it, it had been reported that Senator Collins was undecided through this entire process. Do we know the details of sort of how she got to, uh, to yes? So it's really interesting, Anderson. For the last couple of weeks before these sexual assault allegations came out, I was hearing from people that were in discussions with Senator Collins who kept telling me she is solid on Brett Kavanaugh. She likes him very much. She is very confident and assuaged of the concerns regarding his record. What Senator Collins did on the floor today is lay out exactly why in detail as it related to his judicial record on Roe versus Wade, on health care, on pre-existing conditions, almost in detail. That changed, or at least stopped, when the sexual assault allegations came out. But the threshold, based on how she felt about his record, was so high that she basically laid out that she needed to see a lot to convince her otherwise. That threshold was not met. Now, behind the scenes, Anderson, over the course of the last 24 hours, she went through the FBI supplementary background check, the entire thing, read through it, talked to people, debated with staff, I'm told. But in the end, she was not only comfortable with the record, she was comfortable with the man, a man who she talked personally with one-on-one several times, Anderson. And Senator Joe Manchin, who's obviously the lone Democrat, is going to vote in favor of Kavanaugh. What are you learning about his process? You know, Anderson, everybody looks at the politics, and they're very obvious. President Trump won West Virginia in 2016 by a significant margin. Joe Manchin has been looking at that and eyeing that over the course of pretty much the entire term of Congress. But I think the other element here is Joe Manchin also has constituents that are very supportive of Brett Kavanaugh based on the the limited polling we have from that point. And he was hearing from them on a regular basis. Now, I will note, when he was on Capitol Hill, he was hearing from sexual assault uh, survivors, from protesters. And those are the types of kind of moments that often have an impact on senators. Just take a look at Senator Jeff Flake. But in the end, particularly given that he wasn't going to end up being the deciding vote and given that he has opened up a lead in his race and this might actually lock up his reelection, it was a decision that he decided to go with. Yes, Anderson. All right. Phil Manelli, thanks. More now on where Justice Kavanaugh might take the court. Susan Collins seemed to suggest today that when it comes to issues like um, abortion rights, nothing much will change. To my knowledge, Judge Kavanaugh is the first Supreme Court nominee to express the view that precedent is not merely a practice and tradition, but rooted in Article Three of our Constitution itself. He believes that precedent is not just a judicial policy. It is constitutionally dictated to pay attention and pay heed to rules of precedent. In other words, precedent isn't a goal or an aspiration. It is a constitutional tenet that has to be followed except in the most extraordinary circumstances. Senator Collins explaining why she believes that Justice Kavanaugh would not revisit Roe v. Wade, the court's landmark ruling on abortion. Two views on that. Now joining us, CNN Chief Legal Analyst Jeffrey Tubin has written extensively about the court. And Carrie Severino, Chief Counsel and Policy Director of the Judicial Crisis Network, which supports Judge uh, Kavanaugh. Uh, Jeff, when you hear Susan Collins saying uh, it, he doesn't just believe this precedent, that he believes this is rooted in Article 3 of the Constitution, and therefore Roe v. Wade essentially is, uh, is safe, what do you make? She's in absolute dreamland. Uh, first of all, 
Lots of justices have said that the precedent is rooted in, in the Constitution as well as tradition, as well as in stare decisis. But even if that's true, they still overturned precedents. I mean, just this year, they overturned a precedent almost exactly as old as Roe v. Wade involving labor law. They overturned precedents. You know, President Trump said he was going to appoint justices who would overturn Roe v. Wade. What I think he meant when he said that was, I think he's going to overturn justices who over, that are going to overturn Roe v. Wade. That's what he's done with Gorsuch. That's what he's done with Kavanaugh. And I don't understand why conservatives can't take yes for an answer. Kerry, is Jeff right? I mean, do you expect Roe v. Wade will be undone under, you know, the, whether it's under states' rights and, and not by a landmark case overturning precedent? Oh, well, I think Jeff's certainly right on one thing, is that all Supreme Court justices uh, overturn precedents at one time or another. You've got that. That's simply no no justice thinks any, every precedent is there for eternity. However, I think it's, it's impossible to know at this point what Judge Kavanaugh would do. He was in the lower court before. You don't have his practice of precedent. And really, I think the key fifth vote to look at here and is going to be for this coming term and, and going forward is Chief Justice Roberts. And his views on precedent, I think, do, do clearly show that there, he's not someone who wants to go around willy-nilly overturning things. So I think he's the person you need to be looking at what, uh, even closer. Wasn't Roberts part of the majority that overturned Turn that labor law case this year? Oh, uh, sure. And wouldn't you love them all to overturn Citizens United tomorrow? I mean, you, you, it's easy to say, well, as I'm saying, everyone overturns precedent at one time or another. It's trying, it's trying to figure out where are those balances uh, struck in different cases. So there's the, the liberal the justices reason, overturn it sometimes, too. The reason too. why fe- the, the Federal Society compiled this, rule, this list from whom the president chose is because they want, they have an agenda. They ha- you know, Carrie mentioned Citizens United. Citizens United is going to be expanded. Citizens United and related cases are the reason why your organization can spend millions and millions of dollars for ju- for, uh, to support Judge Kavanaugh and you never talk about where your money came from, right? Isn't that right? Uh, we have the same policy that groups like the ACLU, Planned Parenthood, the NAACP have. So for the same reasons, we protect our donor rights. But look, if you think right. the Federalist Society has a, has a monolithic view on that, on abortion, and any other issue, you clearly have not attended a, any of their meetings. It is a very broad-based oh, yeah. uh, group. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, it's, I, I, mean, I, would, I would challenge I've, you to come to some of their debates I've sometimes. Been, I've yeah. been to, but look, it's about affirmative action. It's about Citizens United. It's about gay rights. It's about whether gay people can buy wedding cakes can go to restaurants, can go to hotels. This is a whole agenda that is now laid out before with five conservatives in the majority. Is that right, Carrie? Come on. You've won. Why aren't you celebrating? <laughs> Look, uh, what, what we are looking for is a judge who's going to be faithful to the Constitution, the text of the law, not specific policy goals. I know that's how a lot of people like to look at the court, particularly from the left, but judges aren't there to be a fairy godmother to give you the wishes you want. So that means if there is a law that is passed by a Democratic Congress and signed by a Democratic president, Judge Kavanaugh, and I it would be supporting him 100 percent, is going to apply that law as it's written, not try to mess with it, not try to so, make it, Kerry, massage it to make it how he wants. So, that, Kerry, do, that puts it back where it should be in the people and their representatives. Do you think President Trump then has been duped into getting Judge Kavanaugh with the belief that he's going to overturn Roe v. Wade? 
I, I don't know what, if the president even thinks he knows that, because he said he specifically didn't ask him about that. What we know is it takes five votes to do anything in the Supreme Court. And as I said before, I think Chief Justice Roberts is the, the swing vote on this. This is, you know, we're going back to the same scaremongering we saw with Justice Kennedy, with Justice Souter, with Justice O'Connor. They had, they had pins saying, you know, if Souter is confirmed, Women will die. He voted to uphold Roe versus Wade. So the idea that we can predict going forward, for better or worse, how someone it's, could do it's it, amazing it, to is, me. Is, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to I don't think I don't think I, I don't feel like I know any more than you, you do. You, you oh, seem much more confident than it's I It's a total mystery to you. I mean, all these people like Carrie who have devoted their lives to overturning Roe v. Wade suddenly are shocked and just mystified about whether their candidate will do what they have devoted their lives to trying to accomplish. Come on, Carrie. I mean, be realistic. This is why you and many other conservatives have been in the conservative movement, because you want to end legal abortion in America, among other priorities. And now you've got the five justices you want. Why can't you just acknowledge that? I, I have no idea what will happen. You know, look, a lot of people went into the, the Obamacare case thinking they knew how that was going to come out. I don't think you can predict these things. And, and it, it's going to depend on exactly... So why devote exactly, millions of dollars to get this person on if you have I, no idea I'm how not, he's going to... Look, we're not devoting millions of dollars uh, with the goal of overturning Roe versus Wade. We're devoting the time and the effort to help support nominees who are going to uphold the Constitution and the rule of law. It's not about a laundry list. It's about trying to get people who are going to be faithful to the Constitution. So that that doesn't always line up with my policy goals. There's a lot of cases where the law is, I'm like, ugh, I I feel like the law should be a different way. But I at the same time can hope that I have a judge. Abortion rights and the Constitution are, are, I mean, are are clear. uh, And you believe that this judge. But when you say you're looking for judges who uphold the Constitution, you believe the right to an abortion is not in privacy rights or it's not in the Constitution. Well, that's frankly something that I think Lawrence Tribe, Obama's uh, a you can just say yes or no. I mean, to that, that, the the idea that 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 the legal grounding of Roe versus Wade isn't isn't well constitutionally grounded is something shared by people, including very liberal legal scholars. So that's that that is not unique to me, as I said, Lawrence Tribe and many others. So that would be a yes. You do believe that? Okay. So I I just think it's it's important not to focus on these abstractions like Carrie is talking about, like you know, rule of law and. And, and let's talk about issues that's going to that are going to be before the court. Let's talk about abortion, affirmative action, campaign finance, gay rights. All of those are going to go in a very different direction because because Anthony Kennedy is gone and Brett Kavanaugh will be there. That's why you got involved in, in politics, Carrie. You're winning. I don't see why you shouldn't just straight out acknowledge it. Uh, I, I'm very happy to have Kevin on the court. I'll acknowledge that all day long. I think be faithful Car- to the Constitution. Carrie Severino, thanks. Jeff Tubin as well. Up next, a lot more uh, just ahead, including a look at what may be President Trump's most successful week in office. From record low unemployment numbers today, a 49-year low to his clear-cut victory, appointing a Supreme Court nominee. He's only the second uh, president to get a, a second Supreme Court uh, nominee confirmed in his two, first two years. We'll look at what this week means for the midterm elections. Next month, I'll talk to Dan Bash and David Axelrod. Remember, to create an ad like this one, visit purewinning.com slash CNN. Today was a big win for President Trump. Tomorrow's likely successful vote on Judge Kavanaugh will mean his second conservative nominee elevated to the Supreme Court. On top of that, today's new unemployment numbers mean even more economic good news uh, for the country. The unemployment level at a 49-year low. 
So with the midterms looming in just about a month and in the wake of the Kavanaugh nomination battle, we wanted to look at what the political landscape looks like ahead. Here now with us is Dana Bash, and we're joined by former senior advisor to President Obama, David Axelrod. So obviously, David, a, a, a good day, you could argue a very good week for President Trump and, and Republicans. Do you think it will remain a flashpoint as the Senate and House races heat up over these final few weeks, the, the Supreme Court uh, uh, battle? Well, first of all, there's no doubt that there, he's mounted up a, a series of wins here, and that has to be uh, that has to be good from their standpoint right now. The question is, well, the durability of this in the short run. You, you talk to Republicans, and then I've talked to Democrats as well, who believe that the Kavanaugh fight has actually stoked up interest, particularly in these red states where they're trying to unseat. Uh, Democratic senators, and they're heartened by that. It may have the reverse effect in some of these suburban districts where they're hoping to save Republican congressmen and where the elector is much less inclined to be supportive of Kavanaugh. But the question is, where are we going to be in four and a half weeks? You, of all people, Anderson, know doing a nightly show that four and a half weeks in the world of Donald Trump is an eternity, and there'll be a lot, there could be a lot of turns in the road between now and then. And it could be that after winning this uh, this fight over Kavanaugh, that the winners are satisfied and the losers uh, uh, who are on the other side of this issue are more uh, aroused to come out to the polls. So mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, in the short run, big week for the president. In the long run, four and a half weeks is an eternity. Dan, I mean, it, to David's point, it does seem like each side thinks their base, Democrats mm-hmm. and Republicans, thinks their base is going to be energized by the Kavanaugh battle. And they're both right. Uh, the, the difference is that for the Democrats, they were already crazy energized. And so, you know, this will take them up to an 11, um, but they were pretty close mm-hmm. to 11 already. As for the Republicans, they've been complacent. That has been a, a worry uh, in every conversation that I've had with Republican strategists and, frankly, even candidates going into the November elections. And the anger, although, although this is a win, uh, a Republican win, there is still real anger that is being stoked by the president, by the Republican leadership at the process, uh, at, you know, and, and specific language targeting the same voters who came out for Donald Trump in 2016, what and men should be scared, they should be fearful, those kinds of things, yeah. specifically aimed at getting Republicans out the door and to the polls because of concern that they weren't going to do that. David, I mean, do you see this as a winning issue for Democrats, particularly senators? I mean, in, in the weeks ahead, retaking the Senate, obviously a, a steep climb for them. Most of the seats, you know, up the cycle lean Republican. Do Democrats have to be careful about how much they campaign on on the Supreme Court issue? Yeah, I'm not sure that these Democratic senators will be campaigning on the Supreme Court issue in these uh, in these uh, in these red states. I think they were actually feeling pretty good about the way things were trending before this Kavanaugh fight because they were Mm -hmm. stressing issues like health care, which were which was really resonant with voters. I think they'd love to be able to go back to that Mm -hmm. and they would like this issue to recede and go back to those winning issues uh, that had them in a, a relatively good position before all this started. Dana, I mean, control of the House, it's obviously different. Every member of the House is, is up mm-hmm. for re-election. The House had nothing to do with the confirmation process. Mm-hmm. Do some of them want to make this part of their campaigns? Uh, yes, in that, yes, you're right. The, the, the House has nothing to do with, with the confirmation process technically. But because the, the balance of power in the House 
is going to be won or lost in swing districts, in districts that aren't ruby red or, you know, super liberal, but swing districts where the independents, um, and particularly in suburban districts, uh, the women in in particular, uh, are going to be swayed by this Kavanaugh uh, situation. And what what Democrats are hoping is that those voters are going to be swayed in Democrats' favor uh, because they are going to be angry at what happened. Um, it's not that clear cut, but it's if you probably if you look at the ledger, it's probably more likely than not to help the Democrats in those key mm-hmm. districts. All right, Dan and Bash, uh, David Axelrod, thanks. Dan is going to stay with us because Dan, Dan has been talking with Christine Blasey Ford's attorneys about their clients' thoughts today. We'll talk about that next. I'm Andy Katz from March Madness 365, and on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Syracuse's Tyus Battle. I've been just trying to improve all facets of my game, just being able to be more offensive, throwing the ball different ways, shooting the ball, I think that's improved, and uh, just my playmaking ability as well. Subscribe to March Madness 365 now at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So we began the hour with Senator Lisa Murkowski uh, live explaining why she's alone among Republicans in opposing Brett Kavanaugh's nomination or confirmation. Now, what his accuser, Christine Blasey Ford, is thinking, our Dana Bash has been talking to her attorneys. She joins us now. What have you learned about how Professor Ford feels about this now near certain confirmation? Well, she's uh, not happy, as you can imagine, but she is already, it appears to be, trying to get back some semblance of normalcy to her life. Uh, and I talked to her lawyers about that and several other things pertaining to Kavanaugh. Have you heard any regrets from her about coming out the way she did? I don't think she has any regrets. I think she feels like she did the right thing. And uh, this was what she wanted to do, which was provide this information to the committee so they could make uh, the best decision possible. And I think she still feels that that was the right thing to do. So I don't think she has any regrets. President Trump, I'm sure you saw, mocked your client's testimony at a rally in Mississippi on Tuesday night. Um, The crowd, who are obviously big Trump supporters, applauded. Did you speak to Professor Ford? Did she see that? And what was her reaction? She did. She was um, she was upset by it. It was very hurtful, as it would be to, to any woman, any survivor, who had the courage to come forward, only to be mocked and belittled by by anyone, really, but but certainly by the president of the United States. It was it was very upsetting. It was very hurtful. So one of the things that has gotten Republicans really enraged is the fact that during her testimony, Professor Ford told the committee that she wasn't clear that there was an offer to you, her legal team, from the committee to have the committee fly out to California and have a private conversation with her, interview with her, as opposed to flying her for a public public, uh, hearing. Is that true? No. We, as her counsel, informed her of all options made available to us by the committee. We showed her all of the correspondence. And what they were offering was to send staffers to California to interview her. Dr. Ford wanted to speak to the committee members themselves. And I think what you saw in the hearing was that Dr. Ford got a little confused and thought that Senator Grassley was suggesting that he himself would have come to California, uh, which was not what he had offered at all. The allegation that they're making very blatantly is that she has lawyers, you two, who uh, are Democrats, who wanted to have 
a public spectacle. Dana, that is such a ludicrous accusation. We've been listening to it, and we have not wanted to respond to it because it's such a distraction and deflection. Our client was advised of every single option given to her by the committee. She saw every single communication. She's a smart woman. She wanted to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee, not speak to members of his staff. If Judge Kavanaugh becomes Justice Kavanaugh, or even if he stays on the the federal bench he's on now, would Professor Ford like impeachment proceedings to begin? Professor Ford has not asked for anything of the sort. What she did was to come forward and testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee and agree to cooperate with any investigation by the FBI. And that's what she sought to do here. So no, she's not going there on impeachment? No. She does not want him to be impeached? No. It is interesting to her. I mean, you sort of had to kind of pin her down on it, but that that Ford said she would not uh, want uh, Kavanaugh to be impeached. So what they're trying to to get across is that she didn't come at this from the point of view of of a Democrat or, uh, frankly, of somebody who was out to get Brett Kavanaugh. That was, I think, what they were trying to to explain by answering it that bluntly and saying she wouldn't want him to be impeached. She just wanted to do her civic duty, which is what she said. They repeated it again today and make sure the senators knew that this is something that she said she experienced with Brett Kavanaugh and have that be a factor into their decision on whether he should be on the Supreme Court. Also, the fact that she was mocked by President Trump just days ago, Mm-hmm. Um, did you get any impression she wants to engage with him or his supporters, or does she just want to go back to her former life? The latter. Uh, the definite impression that I got is that she wants to try to get her, her life back. In fact, her lawyer said to me uh, separately that that they that she is hoping at some point to be able to go back to her home, which they believe is not yet safe to do that. Go back to teaching. She, of course, is a professor. Go back to her regular life with her kids and not engage on a political level. Obviously, she could very easily be a political icon and she could lead a charge. And that very much does not seem like what she wants to do. She appears to want to maybe take the, at least in the short term after the Clarence Thomas uh, situation, the road of uh, Anita Hill and just kind of lay low. All right, Dan Bash, thank you very much. Appreciate the interview. Want to check in with thank Chris, you. see what he's working on for Cuomo Primetime. Chris? It's really important to get all sides of perspective on what happened today and what we assume will happen tomorrow. The women in those big elevator moments, you know, you're having them on. We're going to have on one of the women from the flake one and one from the hatch one because they were so different. They meant such different things. They confirmed such different things. They'll be on here. We have John Dean on of Nixon fame, obviously. He testified about Kavanaugh, what he thought were concerns. How does he feel about those concerns now? We're going to debate the way forward, and we're going to make the case tonight, Anderson, that we've seen one thing for sure. This is the bottom. Murkowski and Collins agree on that. The question is, what makes a change for the better? Mm. That's a good question. Uh, about eight and a half minutes from now, Chris, I'll see you then. When it came to uh, came down to two senators went against their own parties today on the Kavanaugh vote. Joe Manchin went against the Democrats. Lisa Murkowski went against the Republicans. The question is, will they pay a price at the polls? Coming up, we'll talk with a former Republican politician who knows a great deal about going against the tide. Hey, it's Howard Beck, and I've got former NBA champion and current Yes Analyst Richard Jefferson on Bleacher Report's The Full 48. 
for me, winning the championship just validated, you know, me from a standpoint of like, all I ever wanted to do was win. All I ever wanted to do was win on a high, high level. And so to get that, then it just made everything feel like it was worth it. The Full 48 is now available on Spotify. And of course, you can always listen and subscribe on the Bleacher Report app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. As we reported tonight, two senators have bucked their party on the Kavanaugh votes. Senator Lisa Murkowski, a Republican, and Joe Manchin, a Democrat, in a raucous hallway interview with demonstrators against uh, Kavanaugh shouting their disapproval. Manchin offered this about his vote and whether politics played a part. You're up for re-election in a difficult race. Are you concerned the base is going to revolt? I I, I didn't look at this from a political standpoint. I I didn't do that. One person knows a lot about bucking his political party is former Republican Congressman Charlie Dent, who is often at odds with the new Republican Party. He joins us now. Congressman, thanks for being with us. When when you're a lawmaker, do you vote more along the lines of what your constituents want or what you believe they want or what your conscience tells you to do? Because presumably there are plenty of times when those two things are in conflict. Well, you tend to do both, and it depends on the issue. You might follow your conscience. You might follow your constituents. Uh, and there can be conflicts. But in the case of, uh, say, Joe Manchin, you know, I, I think from a purely political perspective, he probably did the right thing. And I don't think he's going to suffer a big consequence as a result of this. Uh, you know, his, he's, uh, his primary is behind him. But even, say, in six years from now, if he seeks reelection, would they primary him over this issue? Who knows? But even if they did, he could simply change parties and run as a Republican and probably win. Mm. And Lisa Murkowski, it should be remembered, in 2010 was challenged by Joe Miller from the right Tea Party. And Joe Miller defeated her in the primary. Then she turned around and won a write-in in in the in the fall and beat Joe Miller and the Democrats. So I don't think that uh, Lisa Murkowski is going to face a heavy penalty, you know, from uh, Republican voters in Alaska. So, I mean, with Manchin, uh, who is obviously, you know, Democrat and conservative state, um, would have would there have been any political deal with him for that vote or, or was that mostly based on him wanting to lock up reelection in West Virginia? I mean, because obviously in some votes, well, you know, you're re- people reach out to you. Deals are made. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's pretty tricky to make a deal in this case. I, I can't imagine that Joe Manchin wanted to be the one Democrat uh, voting, uh, uh, you know, voting for Brett Kavanaugh. I don't think he liked uh, being in that position at, at all. Uh, but I suspect what Joe Manchin's political calculation is he needs to win voters who voted not only for Donald Trump, but for him. There are a lot of Trump-Manchin voters in West Virginia. And I suspect that is a bigger political calculation for him, a bitter, bigger piece of that calculation than perhaps antagonizing elements of his base. You know, where are they going to go at this point? Are they going to support the Republican, uh, Morrissey? Uh, so they really have nowhere to go. I mean, they can stay home. Uh, but I suspect that would be uh, self-defeating. I mean, at least with Joe Manchin, they'll get somebody who supports democratic values, you know, more often than the Republican would. Were you surprised by the way things uh, fell into place today? Uh, not particularly. Uh, I thought that, uh, well, I, by the way, I think Susan Collins is one of the finest senators, a great mentor to me, and a very thoughtful member of the U.S. Senate, and I have the highest respect for her. But I was not surprised by where Susan Collins came down or where Joe Manchin came down. I was a little surprised by Lisa Murkowski's reasoning for not voting for Kavanaugh. I thought she might have relied upon, you know, she had concerns about Kavanaugh's uh, support for, I guess, uh, uh, Native Americans and, and federal land issues. But she, I think she made it more about his, his temperament. So that, that maybe surprised me a little bit, but I was not surprised by Flake, Manchin, or Collins. 
Did, were you surprised by how uh, nasty this was? I mean, uh, and, and what does it mean moving forward from here? I mean, one can say, well, look, the, it's not every day somebody's accused of sexual assault and certainly not a, a Supreme Court uh, justice, uh, you know, in, in modern times. So uh, it's not a, a template. But do you see this as kind of a new normal? Uh, I'm, I'm afraid it is. Um, you know, I guess I, I'm kind of old fashioned about this. When I served in the U.S. House, I, I, I saw, I think, five Supreme Court justices be confirmed. Roberts, Alito, Kagan, Sotomayor and, and Gorsuch. And in, when I was asked, I was a House member. Most people didn't care what I had to think about, say about this because I was, I was not in the Senate. But I had said in each time that I thought each of them was qualified and deserved to be on the court, uh, even if uh, I might not have agreed with them all. Uh, philosophically. And I think we've gotten, gotten away from this. I mean, this has become uh, so partisan and so ideological that, that you know, a, a Democrat can't acknowledge that maybe a Republican nominee is actually fit to serve as a judge based on his, uh, his or her uh, uh, abilities. And, you know, and Republicans are saying yeah. the same thing about Democratic nominees. I mean, it's a bad, we're in a bad place. Yeah. Truly Dent, uh, Congressman, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Don't, uh, don't miss Full Circle. It's our daily new interactive uh, newscast on Facebook. You have to pick some of the stories we'll cover. Uh, you can see it weeknights at 625 p.m. Eastern. You can find it at facebook.com slash Anderson Cooper Full Circle. News continues, of course. I want to hand it over to Chris for Cuomo Primetime. Chris? Are you ready to learn how to build a better consulting or professional services company? Then download the Liston.io show for the best sales and marketing advice so you can deliver your services to the people who need you the most. On the show, I'll be interviewing the smartest people in the industry to share what they know about building a better consulting business. I'll also give you episodes where I tell you specifically how to sell your services with confidence and how to transform into an influential leader in your industry. Your happy clients probably want to help you. It's too hard for them right now. You're asking them to do too much of the selling that you should be doing. Yeah, it's going to move. It's going to change. It's going to disrupt you at some point in time. Your most loyal clients are your most profitable. Ready to learn how other people are building the consulting company you've always wanted? Download the Liston.io show spelled L-I-S-T-O-N dot I-O wherever you get your podcasts. Before you go, we wanted to let you know that we just launched the ability for anyone to advertise on CNN Podcasts. You're just a few clicks away from reaching millions of people in a way that you never have before. Advertise for a business event or kick off an awareness campaign for your brand. Start today at purewinning.com slash CNN. Integrating podcasts into your marketing mix has never been easier. Go to purewinning.com slash CNN to get started.